0: What's up, guys? Coming up today on the show, one of the more unique conversations we've had here on Sports Spectrum with Dr. Sean McDowell, who is an author, a speaker, an associate professor in the Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. He's also a big sports guy, a big basketball guy. He actually played college basketball at Biola University and was captain his senior year on a team that went 30 and 7. Now, Sean, when you follow him on social media, he talks a lot about apologetics. He's not afraid to get deep into the weeds in discussing things of faiths, particularly Christian faith and Jesus. Now, this conversation isn't going to go too deep into those weeds. We're going to talk a lot of sports with Sean, but this guy is a fascinating individual. When I found out that he was available and I was able to get him on the show, I said, yes. I just thought... This is going to go in a bunch of different directions, and I'm all in on this. So I think you guys will really enjoy this conversation with Dr. Sean McDowell. It's coming up in just a moment here on Sports Spectrum. First, I want to tell you about our Sports Spectrum magazine. We talk about it all the time, but we're so proud of the magazine and the content that is inside this periodical. You need to order it. It's perfect for the kids. It's faith-filled. It's family-friendly sports content. Where are you going to get sports content today that you can show those kiddos and not worry about language, not worry about inappropriate content. Sports Spectrum's magazine is just that. It's also a great way to share the gospel with someone who might love sports. So you can subscribe right now to the Sports Spectrum magazine. You can do it over at sportsspectrum.com. When you subscribe to a one-year subscription and you check out, use the code PODCAST15, podcast 15 and you'll save an additional 15% off what's already a very discounted price and a very affordable price for our Sports Spectrum magazine. Again, PODCAST15 is the code, PODCAST15, and save 15% off a one-year subscription to the Sports Spectrum magazine. You can subscribe right now at SportsSpectrum.com. Great to have Dr.
1: Sean McDowell here on Sports Spectrum. Hey, Sean, how are you? Jason, I'm actually doing really well. I appreciate you asking. It's a treat to be on. This is going to be great. I
0: didn't know all of the sports connections when I actually reached out to you initially uh, to have you on the show. And then I just kind of perusing, doing my research, looking at your Instagram. And I'm like, this guy... He's a big sports guy, very big basketball guy, and you played college basketball at Biola. So I'm guessing, let's start there. Basketball, a big part of your life, I would say, Sean McDowell,
1: especially growing up. Yeah, I remember being in junior high in seventh grade, going out for the basketball team, and I saw these two players ahead of me, and there was something about the way they moved, the way they jumped. I was just enthralled with the game. And then I started watching the NBA I watched the movie Hoosiers and was just hooked. And at that point, even though I was a much better baseball and soccer player, I mean, I'm five foot nine. I just loved the game and grew up in the 90s, of course, watching Jordan, even though at the time the Suns were my favorite team Mm. and was just that guy who kind of scraped all the way to play college ball, probably at best was an average division two point guard but I played and I loved it and I've continued to coach ever since. And now, actually, my son is playing at Biola for the same coach that I played for. And my wife played college hoops. You know, our family, we love sports. I'd say so. You mentioned Hoosiers. So you and, the,
0: you and I are probably the same age. I just turned 50 uh, a few months mm. back. And I got to go back in late October, early November to Knightstown, Indiana, which is I'm wearing a wow. shirt, happened to be wearing it today. This is the gym where the movie Hoosiers was filmed and they restored it and you can go into this place. It's free and shoot hoops for as long as you want. Do a little tour. They take you down. I mean, Sean, if you ever get to Indianapolis or Indiana anywhere, take the drive. It's only 40 minutes from downtown Indy and go see the Hoosier gym because that movie to me probably sounds like you too. It was really transformative as a, as a young man just growing in his
1: in his interest in sports, I'll just say. Anybody who didn't grow up at that time and fall in love with sports or basketball probably can't relate to how meaningful that movie was. <laughs> my wife and I quote it, we talk about it. I kid you not, if I walked in that gym, I literally might get a tear in my eye. It was just so meaningful because I grew up in a small town in the mountains. And just had no open gym to go play in. I just was shooting out there like Jimmy, all alone on my own court, <laughs> just dreaming about it. So I would love to go to that court someday. That's such a good idea. I'm
0: telling you, it's it's it, when you walk in, you feel like you're walking into being an extra in the movie oh. Hoosiers. Like it's it's exactly restored obviously but exactly like it looks like Mm. from the 1986 film and then certainly the 19 i think it was 51 or 52 time frame that the movie took place it's phenomenal so definitely go and do that you said you were a Suns fan growing up so who who was your guy who were the posters on the wall of sean mcdowell as a kid oh kevin johnson for sure
1: he was he was a christian he was a smaller for the nba scrappy point guard and I also got to go to a few games and see him in person. And in fact, my dad at the time was friends with some folks there. I got to have lunch with Kevin Johnson. And I was just hooked after spending that time with him and rooting for him. When they got Barkley and Manning and all those guys, I was just on board rooting for that team. So wait
0: a minute. You were connected from the sports and faith perspective at a pretty young – you saw that guys who you were your heroes, if you will – But could live out their faith because that's what
1: the show is about, right? Sports and faith. You saw that at a pretty young age. Well, my dad worked and still does work, my parents do, for a ministry called Crew. Yeah. And a part of Crew, there's a ministry called Athletes in Action. Of course. And I went on three trips with Athletes in Action. And the son of the director at that time was a friend of mine. So, we go to these conferences. I went to a bunch of their camps in the inner city and we'd have speakers come who were NBA or college players and they'd share their faith. So really early on, there was a connection for me that said, oh, you can play the sport and you can love it, but it can be even bigger than the sport itself. And it can be a platform for character and good works and ultimately sharing your faith. So there's a uh, pair of Jordan
0: ones over your left shoulder on the wall there. We got to talk about uh, <laughs> Jordan and, and uh his impact and even just the sneakers and the culture that he built in the 90s and the domination. Are you, you're not just a fan of, or we're a fan of the Suns. I think you're a fan of the Spurs now, if I'm reading correctly on your social feeds, but you're a fan of the NBA.
1: I am. So let me take a step back. There's actually yeah. two pair of shoes oh, over okay. each of my, one on the top, one on the side. One is a customized Spider-Man pair that was made for me. <laughs> oh, I'm man. a superhero fan. So yes. I've got this nerd side and I love sports. I kind of have both going on. You can see the basketballs right next to a big M for Marvel. Yes. Uh, so that's a pair that was specialized. The pair at the top uh, is a Deadstock 2001 pair of Jordan ones. Now, I was speaking at a conference in about 2019 and talking about Gen Z and how they connect with different brands and Nikes. And this guy walks up to me and he says, he goes, hey, what shoe size are you? And I said, I'm a 10. Why? He goes, I'm just curious, walks away. I came back Whoa. after the break, sitting on my uh, on the podium was a pair of Kobe's, oh which gosh. interestingly enough was the day before Kobe passed away, very interestingly. Yeah second this dead stock jordan ones so i go home i didn't know this time i show them to my son who's like a reseller i'm like hey i'm gonna try these on he's like dad you're crazy they've never been tried on i see how much these things are worth hundreds of dollars and i put them there in part to remind me to be generous because this fellow didn't have to and he was incredibly generous and sacrificial with me and so when i look at those not only do i think they're cool But uh, they also remind me to be generous with others. And Mm -hmm. by the way, my son said to me, he's 19. He goes, dad, he goes, I want you to wear those one day. I said, Okay. He goes, the day I get married, wear those shoes and then never wear them again. I said, you got it, buddy.
0: Wow. Does he have a girlfriend? Are we even close to talking about this? Wedding? Well,
1: he's 19. He does have a <laughs> girlfriend, but we're going to hit the brakes a little bit on that one. But in due time, it just shows that sports and shoes and all these things can have so much more meaning to people, which is why I love what what you do on the show.
0: Yeah, it's such a cool thing. I mean, I'm a, a kid of the late 80s and into the early 90s. I graduated high school in 91 and I just loved mm the nostalgia. I mean, when COVID hit, yes, it stunk for so many people. For me, I got to stay at home and work at home like I normally do and then watch the Jordan documentary, uh, The Last Dance. And I have to imagine for you watching that, I don't know. I I was so moved by it and reminded of that period that I went and bought a pair of Jordan once because I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get a pair of Jordans because I got nothing else better to do. So I don't know what it is, Sean, but something about just mm. the nostalgia
1: side that connects us back to, to our youth. Well, I graduated high school in 94. So Jordan won three championships when I was in high school, yeah. played college basketball in the mid to late 90s. He won three championships. So even though I wasn't primarily a Bulls fan, you couldn't help but be captured by just his charisma, his energy, his rock star. So during COVID, I watched that and enjoyed it. Now, the reason I've probably bought too many pairs of Jordans <laughs> is three years ago, or maybe he was 15, 15 or 16. My son goes, dad if a speaker walked on stage with Jordan's I would listen and mm. I said tell me about that and then I started listening and got getting some pairs, and then I realized it brought back all this love for the game in the 90s there's so many things it brought back for me but when I wear those shoes and I travel I go anywhere people of different ages different races different backgrounds will just engage me in conversation that might not typically have a conversation with a middle-aged white guy. So it really does transcend a lot of categories and I think bring people together.
0: Much less a middle-aged white guy who is a professor in Christian apologetics.
1: <laughs> exactly. Very, very fair. Now, I don't. I realize I didn't answer your question about the Spurs. There is an interesting backstory to this. Please, share. So my, my college coach, his name is Dave Holmquist, and he's still coaching, coaching my son, If you look up all-time college-winning coaches, he is number four. He's number four. Wow. So if he continues, he could become second or third or first all-time wins. If he continues, which obviously remains to be seen, he's just a phenomenal coach and an even better person. One of the most influential people in my life for lessons I could talk with forever. Well- The way he coaches is just so much like the Spurs, the way they played, especially in the late 90s with David Robinson and Tim Duncan and all these different players, Sean Elliott, you name it. It's selfless, team oriented, cerebral, tough basketball. That's how the Spurs play. And they're very different from many of the other teams in the NBA that are very focused on the self and individual and your accolades and showing people up. My coach would go nuts. I remember a teammate of mine who just dunked on the sky and he ended up getting a tryout with the Lakers. He didn't he didn't make it, but played overseas for years, he was just a stud player. Dunks on the sky and kind of shakes the rim. And my coach about lost his mind. He's like, you don't disrespect an opponent like that. And that was just built into me. Team ball, play hard, be smart, play defense. I mean, I go watch my son practice today and he's still doing the fundamentals of like boxing out, ripping the ball through, Mm -hmm. defensive slides, and it wins games. So while I'm playing for him, I'm watching the Spurs at that time play that game and I just kind of fell in love with them. And of course, now with Wembenyama, I was watching the game, you know, recently they play all the time. Now it's like, this guy's incredible. Yes. You know, they're coming back. So I'm not from San Antonio. I'm from Dallas, but I just like the way they play. And you have jerseys, which I'm impressed. I I love
0: that you're not afraid because your Instagram page, (laughs) you just scroll through it and there's lots of great videos and content about a lot of different topics, which is what I love in following you. But every so often there's something on there and I'll see you wearing a jersey. And you had one, I think it was a video that you had back in August, the top five worst NBA prospects in the Bible. And your number one worst prospect was King Saul. I, where did your mind go to even come up with
1: that one? Oh, that actually took me a while. When I got the idea, I did one on the top five best prospects from the NBA. Okay. Who was and number one for I'm that? Like... Was it was a Jesus, I presume? Well, I walked through like David, who's a sharpshooter, you know, with the five stones, nails them. Then I walked through Goliath because of his size. And then somebody's like, wait a minute, you're going to have David and Goliath be teammates. What about chemistry? I was like, yeah, I didn't think about that one. You've got Samson. And then at the end, I'm like, of course, if you didn't see Jesus coming as number one, you got something coming, right? If he can walk on water, he can walk on air. If you need a big shot, He's going to have the miracle shot, right? You got to end with Jesus. Yes. So then that one did pretty well. People liked it. I was like, I got to think of the five worst NBA prospects. So I'm like, okay, you know, the blind guy before Jesus healed him. He can't see. I don't want to pick on people with disabilities, but it's going to be really hard to play basketball if you can't see. Yes. You got to go with uh, Zacchaeus. is just way too short. Can't get his shot off. And then I started thinking about King, King Saw. I'm like, wait a minute. He looks the part. He's taller than everybody in the land. But when it came to the pressure time, he cowered mm-hmm. and he actually caved. And there's a pun with that one because he goes and hides in a cave. Right. And so it's just a fun way of incorporating basketball with some biblical ideas. Well,
0: again, it's it's facilitating using sports as a way to facilitate conversations of faith, which is all that we're about. How have you seen just over the years, especially when you travel, as sports being a great platform to point people to the gospel?
1: Well, I think in a couple ways. Number one, if I'm wearing an NBA jersey or wearing Jordans, I can just strike up a conversation with people. And many times if you start there and you listen and you engage, it can start turning towards gospel and spiritual type conversations. There's a way to do this. And I'm always looking for spiritual type conversations. The other thing is just when I speak and when I write, I mean, people relate to sports illustrations. They just do. I mean, there's even some in the Bible, like Paul talks about running the race of faith. He talks about the value of physical fitness in terms of the body. But of course, that pales in comparison to spiritual fitness. So that's built within the scriptures itself. So I just find, you know, there's some people that aren't going to connect with sports. So I try to not just use sport analogies, but it's really hard to avoid it when my favorite movies, my favorite way to spend my time, what I enjoy doing is just tied to sports. And so I think people relate to the courage, the teamwork, the failure, how you deal with discouragement, how you deal with loss. There's just spiritual principles all over sports. We're talking to Dr. Sean McDowell
0: here on Sports Spectrum. He is a Christian apologetics associate professor at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University and, of course, tons of great content on his YouTube channel and on social media. Sean, I needed to ask you about your son. You mentioned that he's following in your footsteps and playing college basketball. How are you as a dad watching your son play sports or any of your kids play sports? For me, that was a struggle at first, and then I was much better but I got really excited and and a little nervous and even a little too animated sometimes with the referees when I watch my daughter play volleyball or softball how are you watching your kids and particularly your son at Biola playing
1: sports Well, it's going to depend on their age and it's going to depend on the sport. So my daughter plays high level volleyball. She actually also wants to play at Biola, but I realize I don't really know that sport well. I've learned it, yeah, but I just kind of watch and observe and I realize other people are smarter than I am. (laughs) But the problem with my son when he's playing in junior high and high school would have certain coaches and I'm watching this because I've been trained by one of the best coaches ever. And by the way, my coach's coach in college, Don Johnson, was an all-American for Wooden. Wow. And is yeah. one of the leading junior college, you know, winners of all time at Cypress College. He was my assistant coach. So I've just had these brilliant coaches pouring into my mind. So I run out of patience with incompetence <laughs> and poor coaching. Yeah, me too. And, uh, but, and, and that's frustrating. But when there's a lack of character that's built in, That actually makes me more angry when coaches allow players to just talk back and disrespect opponents and play dirty. Like, I just can't contain myself. Now, my son in college, I played for the same coach, and any time I have the thought, I'm like, wait, why isn't coach doing this? I pause and remind myself that I have officially zero college wins and he has over a thousand and knows exactly what he's talking about and exactly what he's doing. So I have full confidence that he's going to have to earn his time. He's playing for a great coach. If he gets minutes, he gets minutes. I'm just grateful he's on the team. I'm grateful this is something he wanted to do. He didn't want to play because he was pressured by his mom or I. He owned it and he loved it. He got in there. There were only three spots on the team. They had 12 returning players. And he showed up at a trial and just balled out yeah. and earned a spot on that team. So I just I can relax when I watch him play. Now, right now he's a freshman. So he's he realizes in his mind he's gonna have to pay his dues before he gets real considerable time. I realize that. He realizes that. If we have this conversation in a couple of years when he's out there getting consistent time, I don't know, that might be a whole new level for me watching my son play college hoops that I'll have to learn to control, but we will cross that bridge when we get there. There you go.
0: Yeah, I can imagine even just having that experience of seeing your kid on a college basketball team has to be pretty cool. So I can imagine if it's, you know, an NBA player's uh, parents watching their kid play like watching Steph Curry when he was first having all that success oh. and has his dad, Dale, and his mom watching him. And just, I mean, I don't know. I would be on pins and needles, like, so I wouldn't even mm. be able to go. I bet you I would have to stay home and just watch it or have somebody kind of inform me. I don't think I could handle it because it would be so nerve wracking, I think. Oh, no chance. You
1: would <laughs> want no to be there. I just feel like my nerves would that. just get too much of me, Sean. <laughs> well, my daughter, they. They recently won the Southern Section Division 4 Volleyball uh, Championship, CIF. There you go. And we're driving there, and I'm looking at my wife going, she is more nervous than my daughter was before the game. I mean, my wife is probably more competitive than me. People will come watch us coach elementary, and they're like, I'm wondering who's competitive more, you or your wife? And she was super competitive, and she was just about to lose her mind going into this game. But there's no chance we wouldn't want to be there. There's no chance. I know you'd want to be there with your kids. My son had a preseason game. He got in there you know, for about five minutes and gets this and one. And I just jumped out of my seat. He makes the free throw. And the coach turns around the bench, looks at me, and gives me a thumbs up. And I'm not kidding, Jason. It was like this amazing moment where he was like bringing back to coaching me 25 years ago. Proud of my son. Like it's just... Mm-hmm. You just can't put those experiences in words, but of course I know you get it.
0: No, I get it. I mean, I actually, we were at a, uh, my wife and my daughter and I, we took a trip to Boston for a weekend back in August and we went to a Red Sox Tigers game and I had a friend who plays on the Tigers. It was at Fenway Mm. and it was my daughter's first chance to go to Fenway to see a game. And we sat right next to the mother of this friend of mine who plays on the Tigers. His name is Carrie Carpenter. Carrie is a right fielder Guess what Kerry did in that game? He hit two homers over the green monster. But I'm telling you the story because I'm sitting next to his mother who's watching this happen. And I'm thinking, this has to be one of the most incredible experiences ever. And she's freaking out and so excited and just clapping. And the sister and the (laughs) family were there. And it just gave me a different perspective on, wow, this, this woman is watching her son hit two homers at Fenway Park of all places in the major leagues when he didn't even know if he would make it through the minors. So uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen those experiences and it's just awesome. Like I just have to imagine being a parent, watching your kid perform like that has just gotta be incredible.
1: So, You know, my mom grew up in Boston and she used to go to games at Fenway weekly. Mm. Huge Red Sox fan. Okay. My son then didn't really ever play baseball one year. I and mean, when he was probably... I'm guessing seven years old. I said, buddy, if you could go to any sporting event with anybody, who would you go with? He said, you know, I go to a game at Fenway of the Red Sox with Grammy. I said, why? He said, because she just loves the Red Sox so much. Wow. 11 years later, graduated from high school. And my mom took my son to a game at Fenway to watch him beat the Yankees. Oh, my gosh. How incredible is that? Like, what a special moment between my son and between my mom. Mm. He'll never forget. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. That's great. I love hearing
0: Mm. that. That's why I love sports so much. I mean, I love Jesus, obviously, more than anything, but (laughs) sports is just a cool way to connect us, I think, (laughs) and such an awesome way to hear that story. What are your thoughts on Christian athletes, whether it's in the NBA or other sports, and using their platform to live out their faith in Christ. I mean, you saw Kevin Johnson at a young age and you got to be around some of those athletes in action opportunities when you were younger. But what do you see today with athletes who are who are followers of Christ and
1: using their platform to kind of share the gospel? Well, I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, I have a lot of grace for athletes who 19, 20, 23 years old are thrust onto this stage. And there's people who are filming anything that they say, looking to tear them down and criticize them, yeah. especially if they are Christians. So I have grace because sometimes in my life and I see in the church, we put athletes up on this pedestal that's just not fair, it's not right, and don't allow them to make mistakes. That's why I just have huge grace now, on the flip side when Charles Barkley said years ago, he's like, I'm not a role model. I was like, too bad. You (laughs) are. Yes. You've chosen to enter into this. So there is an extra element of just responsibility for any athlete and for Christian athletes. So I love to see athletes do it wisely and strategically and boldly. I mean, I, I see the influence on my son. We were watching a just a game the other day, I'm like, hey, you know, that guy's a follower of Jesus. And that gave me an opportunity to point out to my son that he loves the game, but he also loves Jesus. This is my son who's 11 years old. Mm. So I have grace for them. I also just want to encourage them. And I see some athletes doing it better than others. You know, some don't have training in their life. right? But I, I think it's it's a huge opportunity that God has given them. And uh, any athlete that listens this, man, if there's anything I could do off stage to help you out and encourage you and pray for you, I would do it in a heartbeat, because I know there's a lot of people that want to tear you down and criticize you. And I grew up in a family with a famous dad at the time, he was one of the most recognizable Christians in the world. Then I saw him navigate some of those kinds of challenges, just with a lot of wisdom. And so if you're a Christian athlete, go for it. We're proud of you. We appreciate you, keep it up, know that you're loved, and we're here for you, cheering you on. Yeah, nobody, we aren't meant to
0: be worshipped. Obviously, God's the one that we want to worship, but that's what happens. I I find myself as a fan, I have to remind myself, because I was that 12-year-old kid who worshipped, if you will, Mm -hmm. Larry Bird and Daryl Strawberry and my heroes as a kid, and I have to remember that these are humans, and now that I've met these guys and spent time with them and interviewed many of them on this show you realize these are just people and humans aren't meant to be worshipped. And it's really, really hard to not buy into that identity of understanding that you are being judged, right or wrong, for what you do, and that's completely the opposite of the gospel. I don't know. I'm just curious your thoughts, Sean, on just that, the idea of, of fans, whether we're Christians or not, rooting for these guys and putting them on pedestals and... I don't know. I feel like we take sports too seriously sometimes, too, in the
1: way that we worship these guys. Well, so my concern is we do this in the culture, right? This is obvious, but we also sometimes do it in the church. Yeah. So as soon as anybody with a big platform, especially an athlete, comes to Christ, give them a book deal, put them on stage, interview them. It's like, whoa, let's slow down a little bit here. This is exciting. Let's celebrate somebody's conversion to faith. But let's give them time to grow and mature and develop in the faith and not just so quickly play the script of the world, which when we do that can kind of communicate the idea that we idolize this position more than somebody who is in another position. And I'm not sure how Christian of an idea that really is. So I can't control anything the church, uh, the culture does about idolizing athletes. That's not going to stop in American culture. the church, I think we should slow down a little bit and not play by that same drumbeat. And like you said, you know, a lot of people just love the sport and Mm -hmm. they love to compete. That's why they're in it. And that's why they're playing at this high level. But that's such a great reminder for young people who are coming to faith that we
0: see, you know, maybe we see a video Mm -hmm. on Instagram of an athlete that we know, and we'll put those out there because that's what our our platform is with Sports Spectrum is to let people know who are these athletes that are loving Jesus and, mm. and trying to follow the Lord. But we have to remember that, I mean, this is what you do, right? With apologetics, we have to let these these guys and gals... I know for me, if you had interviewed me the day I fo- started following Christ when I was 27 years old, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it would have been bad. It would have been just a disaster because mm. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think that's mm. part of what I, I'm guessing why you're so involved in the work that you do is because it's it's helping us understand why we
1: believe what we believe that's my heart and that's my passion when you mention that i teach apologetics there might be some folks thinking what on earth is that it has (laughs) nothing to do with saying you're sorry for your faith right we have a program in apologetics at biola where i teach and we had someone call up and was just upset this is years ago that we would have classes on saying, you're sorry for being a Christian. Well, that's not what apologetics is. First Peter 3.15 says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always be ready with an answer, but give it with gentleness and respect for those who ask. Mm. Now, the word reason or answer or defense in English in Greek is apologia, hence the term Apologetics. This is not a uniquely Christian term. When Socrates wrote a defense of Plato, he called it an apology. In Greek, it meant a defense. Hmm. So all Christians, not pastors, not just teachers, not just professors, all Christians are called to be ready with an answer for the hope within. Why do we think God exists? Why do we think Jesus is God? Why do we think the Bible is true? That's my hope and my passion, and I found for people that when we start to find some of these answers, it gives us a boldness to live out our faith because we realize this isn't just my private narrative. This is actually true, and it makes sense of the world. So that's my passion. That's what I do in books and on YouTube and all over the place is just trying to equip people to defend their faith well and hopefully graciously and lovingly too. (laughs) Yes. Be kind, gentle, gracious,
0: loving. We can't forget that last part in that Bible verse. I I love what you do because you engage conversations with people that disagree, people that might say they're Christian but look different, that might even believe a bit of a different version of the Bible or something. You just are not afraid to engage with anyone from any walk of life. You've really created these cool conversations that I've seen all over your social feeds. What why why is that so important for us to be able to do that and engage in conversations with people who think differently or might even believe
1: differently? Well, I could kind of sum up my motivation in a few things. Number one is charity. I want to be charitable towards people who see the world differently. We are very quick to demonize and create us versus them and provoke. Well, being charitable, I think, is Christian virtue. Second, just modeling civility today. There's so much animosity and so much anger across worldviews where we demonize people. What if we could throw civility? We could show civility, which also is a Christian virtue. And the third thing is curiosity. I'm just a curious person, Jason. I'm interested in what people think, why they see the world as they do. I'm not threatened by people who see the world differently. If they know something that I don't know, well, hopefully I'll have the humility enough to change my views and adopt and follow what's really true. So I really what I do in many ways is I'm trying to mentor for Christians that there's people in model for Christians and mentor them that there's actually a lot of people who are spiritually curious. You might have a teammate. You might have a neighbor, you might have a coworker, family member in the right time and in the right place. If we ask thoughtful questions, if we really just listen to what people are saying and hear their stories, it's amazing how many people want to talk for one. And second, how many people will say, You know, you've heard me out. Tell me your story. Why are you a Christian? And then you get a chance to share. So, there's a time for a prophetic voice in culture. There's a lot of nonsense and we need people to stand up and say that's wrong. And we need people involved in the political arena. Hmm. That's not primarily my lane. Right. I want to just reach out to other people, humanize them, listen to them, hear their stories. And if they're open to it, talk about why I'm a follower of Jesus and the difference he's made in my life. And I think it's especially powerful today in our cancel culture You say one wrong thing, and this happens on both sides of the aisle, Mm -hmm. and the mob of cancel culture is going to come after you. Well, the very thing cancel culture lacks is grace and forgiveness, and yet that's the roots of the Christian faith. So what what if we can lead by just showing grace to people? Uh, I think we have a pretty powerful opportunity to do so today. Mm. And it's also countercultural. Yeah, very
0: much so. And we need it more than ever, I think, to be able to welcome people to the table that are a little different, believe different, think different, and have a civilized, kind, gentle conversation with them, Shaw McDowell. Mm. Let me end it with some fun here. Uh, you're wearing the Marvel shirt. You're drinking the Spider-Man water bottle. So <laughs> give me the three or four... Top, maybe you've already done this. And maybe this is even on your Instagram. I don't know. I might have missed it. But your top, maybe three, four, five Marvel movies uh, since, I guess, two thousand eight. We'll say since since Iron Man came out. Well,
1: first off, you said we're going to end with a little fun. I've had fun this entire interview, oh, good, just for the good. record. Talking uh, sports. Me too. This is oh <laughs> man, I could keep going on this stuff. I love it. Favorite Marvel movies. One of my favorite movies is actually Thor one. Mm. I love he's the classic arrogant fool, won't listen to his father, has to get humbled before he can get his powers back. Then when he's finally humbled, standing before that destroyer and is willing to give up his life, then he gets his powers back and can be the real hero. There's this sense that to be a hero, you've got to be broken. You've got to be humbled. And that is a deeply biblical idea you see in characters like Peter. And then I love the scene at the end where he goes to his father, you know, maybe someday I could be a king like you. Now, the rest of the Thor movies I thought were pretty terrible, although Thor 3 was kind of funny. So I don't love the trajectory of his life. Yeah, Ragnarok but it was started, okay. But yeah. <laughs> it started with a bang. I loved Thor 1. Yes. The other movie I really like is Captain America 2. Yeah. I think Winter, the Winter Soldier, Soldier yes. is a powerful villain. And I see these things because I'm, I'm, I'm a thinker and I'm an apologist. You know, Captain America is a real Christ type figure in that film where his, the, his friend, the winter soldier is just pummeling him. He stops fighting but he leans back and opens up his arms. And Mm. he's just like, I'm not going to harm you. I'm going to die before I kill my friend. And I see that scene. I'm like, holy cow, that is just such a sacrificial act of love. So I love that movie. I think my favorite superhero movie is infinity war. Wow. It's brilliant. Yeah. And I could go into depth why, but the heart of that movie is the question, uh, to what can we sacrifice a human life? And Thanos is like, I can sacrifice half the universe and save myself. And captain America says, we're not in the business of exchanging lives until the only way to save the universe is for Iron Man to willingly lay down his life. Of course, we see this in Endgame, but Infinity War sets it up. I think Infinity War is the empire strikes back of the Marvel cinematic universe. And it's a brilliant, brilliant film that asks some of the most important ethical issues of our day. Wow. Okay, so I just got to say
0: this because I know my buddy Jason's going to listen to it. My pastor, Jason Jacob, is a giant Spurs fan a giant Marvel fan, and he Let's will go. go to his deathbed telling me that Infinity War is the best movie and Captain America Winter Soldier is right up there as well. I, wow. I side with Endgame. That's just me. But Infinity War is right there. Like those two mm. movies back to back a year apart were fantastic and just perfect. And I thought it was a great way to sort of end that that phase but uh well he'll 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 battle with me on infinity war versus end game you liked i assume you liked end game it just wasn't infinity war
1: i didn't love Endgame oh, when you're, you so opened, you're just like my pastor that's well, amazing <laughs> when you open up the multiverse yeah, and now there's an infinite number of captain americas and loki's there's no longer any sense of urgency. Mm. It just becomes so wide. Anything becomes possible that the level of interest and what is at stake ceases being interesting to me. So I didn't love Endgame. And I thought it was actually somewhat of a disappointing climax. Although I love that in 10 years of marvel which is clearly moving in a direction at odds with the christian ethic sure when they get to the ultimate hero who's the ultimate hero somebody who willingly lays down his life for others yeah that sounds a lot like what jesus says greater love have no man than this that a man lay down his life for a friend so i like the theme they ended with but wasn't a huge fan
0: no i hear what you're saying because it's kind of gone now since Endgame into a really interesting and, and a little weird direction and you've seen a lot of people kind of lose their interest in all of the movies that have come out and all the different like you say the different spheres and the different places and the different universes that have been created I still watch it but nothing has really hit in a way that's been like oh my gosh that's like like Infinity War or even for me Endgame nothing's hit really since then so hopefully. We uh, Mm -hmm. we find a turnaround a little bit and we'll see if that can happen. But yeah, at least we lived into the the golden age of when those movies were around. Let's just
1: say. There you go. There
0: you go. And raised
1: my kids in that golden age. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Real quick.
0: You have a Spider-Man water bottle. Are you uh, keen to a particular Spider-Man movie?
1: Oh gosh, a particular Spider-Man movie. Like the new ones recently or maybe the older well,
0: ones, the Tobey Maguire ones? So it's
1: in some ways it's not fair to judge the newer ones with the original ones when you have more technology, sure. you've told more stories and like they've improved the craft. But I'll just tell you this, I knew my wife since third grade and wow. she told me <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing to admit but she's like some of the greatest joy I saw on your face is when we went to that first Spider-Man film. Cause growing up, I just always dreamed like maybe they'd make a Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. She's like, I turned to you and it was starting. And I wish I had filmed the joy on your face of like, yes, Spider-Man's coming on the big screen. So whether that's the greatest movie or not, a Spider-Man movie, I don't know. But that moment sitting in a theater, you know, I used to watch the electric company and Spider Man would show up for like ninety seconds yes. just for that scene. Yes. Like kind of it sound it really does sound funny, but my whole life I was just amped for a Spider Man film. I enjoyed that one as much as any movie, probably up there with Hoosiers, if I'm going to be totally honest. Yeah, because you're 20 something years old and you get to see this this
0: childhood hero on a big screen finally. And it was a good movie. The first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire was it was, was very good. So I like I like your thinking, Sean McDowell. Let's uh, let's end it with this. Uh, what can we promote? What can we point people towards? You talked about your YouTube page and a lot of the content on your Instagram page. What can we help you kind of promote and get people out there to check
1: out more of your content? I appreciate that. The hub for everything probably just would be my website, Okay, I've got a blog. I speak all over the place. That has a link to our podcast that we have that's audio link to the YouTube, the Instagram, and the other social media posts link to the books. So bottom line is I'm a communicator. The things we've talked about are the things that I communicate. (laughs) So if you like books or YouTube or Instagram, I don't do silly cat videos. Pretty much everything I post, I ask myself, is this going to bring value to somebody and encourage and strengthen them? That's what I try to do in those different mediums. Well, you
0: do it well, and uh, I'm a fan and somebody who who enjoys the content that you put out. It makes me think. And if you ever get up to Hartford, Connecticut area where I live, I'm buying you dinner. Call me and let's hang out. Game on, and maybe we'll
1: shoot some hoops too.
0: Yes, for sure. Thanks, Sean McDowell, for being <laughs> on the show. You bet. And many thanks to Sean McDowell for joining us here today on Sports Spectrum. Dr. Sean McDowell, you can follow him on all the socials. His videos are fantastic. Make you think is what Sean McDowell does. He makes you think, especially with the people that he talks to, and just enjoyed talking to him here today on Sports Spectrum. You can find us at our website, sportspectrum.com, and all of our content is available on all the different social feeds, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Actually, Twitter is now X. So X, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, even TikTok, Sports Spectrum is there. You can follow us on our social feeds. Certainly want to encourage you to follow and subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you're listening to this show on. That way you don't miss any more conversations here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. And like I said earlier, subscribe to our magazine. You can get our free 10-day daily devotional when you sign up for our Sports Spectrum weekly newsletter. Tons of great content. Most of it, if not all of it, other than the magazine, is free. You can find it at sportspectrum.com. We thank you so much for encouraging us by supporting Sports Spectrum, by playing this podcast, by sharing Sports Spectrum's content with others on your social feeds and with your family and friends. It means a ton. Our goal is to simply point people to Jesus, and we're just using sports as a way to do that. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time right here on Sports Spectrum.